Well, welcome to the Marty Mitchell Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Mitchell, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. The blue-collar theologian trying to help make sense of some of the things that we find within the pages of God's holy word, the Bible. As always, you can check us out on Facebook with our Marty Mitto Show podcast, also on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to remind you, if you have thoughts, opinions, questions, whatever it may be, all you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. That's martyminto at gmail.com. What a beautiful day today that the Lord has made. Uh, I don't know about you, each and every time that God gives us another day here on this earth, I'm just blessed, absolutely blessed, and as you should be also. Well, I want to remind all of you out there who are listening to this program that, again, this uh, podcast is uh, listener-supported, and if you go to anchor.fm, that's anchor.fm, which is our home platform for the Marty Mento Show podcast, you could help and support uh, this podcast and keep it on the air, and and uh, we we will just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and as we keep things going here. And, uh, you know, we live in very difficult times, very trying times in a world in which we live today. And uh, as I've told you before, and I'll tell you each and every time we gather together, the three reasons, three purposes, priorities of this podcast, first of all, is to learn the Word of God. Second of all, it is to teach other people. Once we learn what the truth is, we need to be able to teach other people and share with them and help them better understand uh, what it's all about. And last but not least, defend. Defend the truth because there are those within the visible church in the last days that will raise up against the truth. They will speak lies. They're trying to get people to follow them. And uh, they're trying to lead people astray. Uh, they're being used as tools of the devil. And then there are those, too, that are just teaching falsely. They're not necessarily the, you know, it's not necessarily the devil that's behind it, but they just don't know the Word of God. Uh, There's a lot of ignorance today. So again, learn, teach, defend. That's the reason why we gather here together and we talk about the things that we talk about. Well, I have been in this, I I don't know if I call it a series. This sounds like a sermon. But but a teaching that I think is of the utmost importance. We've been talking about uh, the seven traits or the seven evidences or characteristics of a true Christian. And uh, I've had quite a bit of response on this already. And uh, matter of fact, I want to just say to all of you out there who listen to this podcast, thank you for sharing with me what's on your heart and mind and, and what is taking place. And, you know, you're blessed by the teaching. I had someone today uh, just thank me for the testimony that I gave in one of the podcasts about my own life, about the fact that when I truly was saved, when Christ truly saved me, I was changed. I was changed from the inside out. We talked about 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. The old is gone, the new is come, and all that new that comes into our life is from God. And, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, and, and we've been changed. And uh, someone shared with me that they have very similar testimony, raised in a religious setting, and then finally into their adult years, Christ truly saved them. He rescued them. Uh, they were changed. And I really appreciate what people do write and, uh, you know, the semi is, uh, you know, just, hey, listen, I appreciate what you're sharing. Thank you so much. Uh, we have one out there, John, who's driving down the roads, up and down the highways. He's a full-time truck driver, and he's been sharing with me occasionally how blessed he is to listen 
uh, to the Marty Minto Show uh, via podcast. So again, all you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Well, as we're talking about these seven traits or evidences or characteristics of a true Christian, we have talked about first and foremost that there has been a a definitive change in your life produced by God. You've been changed from the inside out, and it's evident. It's evident first and foremost to you and then to people around you. The second uh, evidence or characteristic or trait that we will see is that there is a definitive love for God and a love for others. Love, the agape, which is foreign to us. But once we are saved, we are born from above. When we are changed, uh, we have the Holy Spirit of God within us. And um, what we demonstrate, what we bring forth is love, a love for God. We love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love others as ourselves. And love is just permeating our lives. And it is uh, recognized by other people in the world around us, especially those who know us best. Well, that brings us to number three, and number three is you'll bear fruit, and the reason why you're going to bear fruit is because you have the Holy Spirit uh, within you. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that promise, that guarantee from God, and the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and, uh, you know, that is so important, and the reason it is because in the last days, as Paul told young Timothy, there will be people within the visible church who have a, a form of godliness, an outward appearance. They'll be religious, a form of religion, but they deny the power. And the power is the presence of the Holy Spirit, which produces fruit in our lives. And there won't be any power, no no real power in that person. There will be nothing that will be evident because they don't have the Spirit of God within them. And uh, we talked about that and how important that was. Also, we talked about the fact that um, when you truly uh, are born from above and become a true Christian a, according to God's Word, you will be a disciple, a pupil, a student. You will hunger. You will thirst for the Word of God. You'll want to learn. You'll want to and desire to become more like Jesus. And the reason is, is because, once again, the Holy Spirit within you. Uh, the Bible tells us in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, we, we're, we're being transformed. We, we are being changed into the image of Christ on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and again, this should be evident in our lives. We're no longer uh, conformed to this world and the things of this world in the way that we used to be. Uh, we're being changed, and God is the one who's doing this. But we become a disciple, a pupil. We want to learn. We want to take in, and I mentioned the other day, that we have a longing for God's Word. Not just this, what I tend to call, and I try not to be disrespectful to anybody, what I call this daily bread Christianity. You know, daily bread, I remember the first time experiencing the daily bread, I believe it was with my grandmother, it was large print, and she had it at the house, and then my mother got it, and you know, the daily bread, I, I could probably read the page of the daily bread in less than 60 seconds. Maybe, you know, maybe two minutes less, you know, depends on how much is on that page. But the truth of the matter is, my point is this, there are people that just read that, and that is what they believe is enough spiritual food for the day. That, to me, would be like every day somebody giving you a cracker and saying, here, Here's your, you know, here's your your nutrients. Here, here's what you need for the day, and you eat a cracker. Now, again, this is nothing against daily bread because I think it has its place, and I enjoy reading some of them occasionally too. 
I don't subscribe, but I, I know others that get it. But at the same time, when you become a disciple, a pupil, you want to dive into the Word of God. You want to take in that milk. You want to go from the milk to the meat. You want to learn more. You desire. You're truly a student, and your master, your teacher is Jesus Christ, and it's enough, as the Bible says, God tells us to become like him. So we got the first four. Now we're down to the last three. I've had some people say, you know, I'm sitting on the edge of my chair because I want to find out what this is all about. Well, the fifth one is of the utmost importance, and this is truly a trait or evidence or a characteristic of a true Christian. You will desire to, and you will make other disciples. Your desire to make disciples, but you're going to make disciples. You really are truly going to be one who goes out with the purpose in mind of fulfilling what we call the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, which I'm sure you have heard that verse or verses before, but it really is what we are called by God to do. And um, it really is more than just seeing people, quote-unquote, get saved, uh, or seeing God save people, as it should be. But the truth of the matter is, we go purposely to make disciples. It begins with going. It begins with taking the good news, the gospel message, into a world that is lost and sharing it with people all around us, Uh, sharing it with our neighbor. Well, who is our neighbor? Everyone we come in contact with. Um, And truly, there is a desire within us. There is a longing to make disciples, and we realize that truly when they trust Christ, when they are born from above, it's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. And so we have a desire to help them and see them through and want them to, to grow and become more and more like Jesus Christ. But when I look at the Great Commission, I'm just going to read this to you, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but I, I think, once again, we need to be just gently reminded what God's Word says. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." All the nations, every person, we are to go and make disciples, and it begins with going, and then as we go, we're going to take what? The good news, as I mentioned just earlier. We're going to take the gospel message, and we are trusting God for the results. See, God is the only one who can cause the growth. God is the only one who can save someone. We don't ever save anybody, but there must be a desire and a longing within us And I really believe one of the characteristics, one of the evidences and traits of true Christians is they want to make disciples. They not only have a desire to, but they're going to do it. And, um, you know, for years I have spent uh, teaching in conferences and seminars uh, the Unless You Believe. And uh, it really is about biblical evangelism and biblical apologetics, not only how to share biblical Christianity or what we call the gospel with people, the good news, but how we truly biblically um, defend the faith. And really when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus Christ. So we are bringing forth the evidences. We're, we're given answers 
to answer the question, who is Jesus? Because once again, we have to paint that picture. We have to provide people with the reality. Some people just think just because we mentioned the name Jesus, that somehow mystically people are going to get saved. And that's just not true. And see, the truth of the matter is, I believe, and I hope that you do too, that Romans 1.16, as Paul said it very clearly, that when it comes to the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, what did he say? Listen carefully. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, it's God's power. God's power for what? Salvation. It's the gospel message. Jesus is the gospel. He is the good news. Um, I cannot state enough about this when it comes to the gospel, um, because it's God's gospel. It's not our gospel. It's his gospel. Uh, It's God's message. It's God's method to save people. But in that message is the power of God. I've said this many years, and and, uh, I continue to say, if you want to experience the power of God, share the gospel. Go forth into a world that is lost. The reason why you're going is because you're taking something. You're bringing something to other people. See, a lot of people believe as Christians, wow, this is great. I'm saved. You know, I have the Holy Spirit. I have my ticket punched. I'm I'm waiting for the gospel train. I'm going to go to heaven someday. But the truth of the matter is, what you have is so precious, so important, so valuable. It's so within you, it becomes who you are. You want to tell other people. Why? Because you want to see other people saved. You want to see other people's lives changed. You want to tell them about Jesus. Um, matter of fact, I, I believe it was a quote uh, from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher. But he, he made a statement once in regards, and again, if I don't get it completely accurate, I'll get it pretty close. He said, if you don't have a desire to see other people saved, it's most assuredly that you're not saved either. It went something like that. And I tell you truthfully, there's truth in that. I mean, when you think about Jesus in his ministry, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, um, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it defines for us what Jesus came to do. And here's what Jesus says. Listen to his own words now. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then you go to Mark chapter 1, and again, these are just passages that stand out to me because they become, they've really become passages that I remind my own self. But in Mark chapter 1, listen to what it says in verses 14 and 15. And after John had been taken into custody, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. See, it's God's gospel. But listen to this. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Why would he say that? Because he's the king. He is at hand. He's the only begotten son of the living God. He came to this world. We think of the incarnation where he took upon himself the flesh of man. Here we have in front of us what we would call the God-man, but listen to what he is doing. He's preaching the gospel, and he's calling people to repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, repent, change the way you think, change your mind, which ultimately is going to change your direction, turn 
and turn to me. Why? Because he is the gospel. He is the good news. And we know not everybody did so. We know that there were those who rejected, those who did not want to hear and wanted to listen to him, those who mocked, and the list goes on. But the truth of the matter is, we have a responsibility to go into the world and make disciples. Now, I could really break this down further and really get into this whole uh, discipleship, you know, as we look at it, because sometimes we just look at it as evangelism. As I mentioned before, it's much more than that. Uh, Truly making a disciple and being involved in discipleship takes time. It it takes patience. Uh, It takes perseverance because it's a challenge. Because in essence, I kind of look at it being like a mother. You you bring a child or you're part of birthing that child into this world, uh, and yet you have to take care of the child. You have to help the child. You have to be there for it, pray with uh, the child, you know, make sure that the child is being fed and taken care of and protected and the whole nine yards. But the truth of the matter is in discipleship is the same thing. Even though we don't give birth, we watch God do something in someone's life that only God can do. And that little baby in Christ, that new creature, the child of God, we have a responsibility to help that child along the way, because that's when the journey begins, the spiritual journey. Now, if you're out there listening and you truly have been saved, one thing that you do know for a fact, when you truly are saved, persecution's coming, challenges, difficulties, hard times, suffering, uh, etc. Matter of fact, I, I can tell you that when Christ, the night he saved me, uh, though it was great celebration inside, I was broken. I, w- I was elated because Christ had saved me. My life had been changed. At the same time, it, it's almost like all hell broke loose, if I could say that. It's, it's like since then, it's been a challenge. It's been a difficult journey. It, it's not been a, uh, you know, an easy walk or, you know, just to kind of a trot down the yellow brick road with Dorothy and Toto. I mean, it's, it's been a challenge. And at the same time, um, you wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, nothing. Nothing would compare, nothing does compare to what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, in saving you nothing. But at the same time, I I can't, you know, deny. But again, this whole issue of making disciples, it's our responsibility. It really is also our privilege. Why? Because we become the ambassadors of God. And I'll tell you right now, I don't take that lightly, and neither should you. But at the same time, we have a responsibility and a privilege to go into the world and tell others. I love in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, after I've already mentioned verses 17 and 18 about being a new creature, the old thing's gone and, and the new things come and, and, and these new things are from God. But when I get to verse 20, I'm reminded of something. When I am a new creature, when I am truly saved, what is my role and my responsibility, not only as a disciple of Jesus Christ, a pupil, a student, but to make disciples. Listen to what it says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
See, see, the the key is we are to go. We are to go tell people we're representing Christ. We're telling people on behalf of God. We're begging you. We're pleading with you. Be reconciled to Him, and the only way to be reconciled to Him is through His Son Jesus Christ. Which verse twenty one ending chapter five says, and He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, the truth of the matter is he came and he paid the penalty for sin. He shed his blood. He died upon that cross. He, he took our suffering, our pay, our penalty. He paid. And his payment um, was an appeasement to God. It brought satisfaction to God to those who would believe in him by faith. But when I look at this, I, again, I, I realize, listen, as I go out as a disciple and to make other disciples, it, it is my responsibility and to fulfill the Great Commission, but it's also a privilege. But I got to remember, I'm representing God. I'm representing the one who has saved me, who has changed me, the one who has given me life and life eternal. And when I go forward, I want to make disciples. And, and again, it's going to be evident. There's going to not only be a desire, but you're going to make other disciples. Let's go to number six quickly here. The sixth trait or evidence or characteristic of a true Christian is you'll be a part of the local church. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it is true. Uh, The Bible says that there is one body, and we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. There's one body, but there's many members. And the truth of the matter is we see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, uh, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, the truth of the matter is we're not an island. We, we cannot exist by ourselves. We can't say to another part of the body or the rest of the body, I don't need you. I could do this on my own. That, that's not true. We can't. We must be a part of a local body of believers. Uh, we must not forsake the assembly. And there's many reasons why. Well, first of all, because we are one body. We're in this together. Uh, those around us uh, who truly are saved are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have an eternal bond that will last for all eternity. Uh, We need each other. We need each other to encourage one another, to build up one another. We also need each other uh, for accountability, uh, which is something today is just, nothing's new underneath the sun, but we need it more than ever before. We need to be held accountable. And when we do so as the body of Christ, we also gather together in the assembly to corporately worship, to corporately worship uh, our God, to recognize and worship our King Jesus. Uh, We corporately gather together because two are better than one. We need each other. I mean, Jesus sent out his disciples in twos. We need each other. We, we can accomplish much more. We can pray for one another. We could be there for one another and help each other in those difficult and trying times. But that accountability factor I keep on coming back to is of the utmost importance, not to mention that as we study the Word of God, um, we are really commanded, as I already mentioned, not to forsake the assembly. There are many people today that that has become a more and more, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a trend, I think honestly it's sin. And i I got to tell you this, in my own life, I've been there. 
believe it or not, even though I've been a pastor for many years, I've been there. I've been right where some people are, where you just get used to it. Maybe you've been hurt. Something has taken place in the local visible church. Uh, You felt you have been done wrong. You've been falsely accused of things. Um, You know, maybe there's a lack of love. Maybe you're not really dealing with some sheep. Maybe they're the goats and they're trying to bite you, whatever the case may be. Or maybe they're sheep and trying to bite you. The truth of the matter is you're having problems, you're having situations, and you find yourself uh, just dismayed about the local visible church. Or, you know what, you want certain things your way. I mean, we're all guilty of that in the flesh. We want certain things our way. And it's hard for us to gather together and unite with everybody and agree because we disagree on certain things. And there are some people, because they disagree about certain things, they stay away from the local, visible assembly. They, they won't be a part of it. But I have to say this, um, it's sin. That's what I've come to realize, it's sin. And for whatever reasons you may have of not being a part of the local church, you're sinning against God. Uh, you're sinning against your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, you're not an island. You can't do this on your own. You can't make it uh, by yourself. No matter what you may think, we need each other. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit with us. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you truly have the Holy Spirit within you, I would believe because of what it tells us in the First Corinthians that he, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is given to each member of the body the gifts that he desires them to have. So Obviously, God the Holy Spirit recognizes the one body but many members, and that we all need each other. And we're supposed to be working together, and we are to be united together. Uh, This is something that is of utmost importance. As a matter of fact, one of the uh, great—really, if you want to look at the model church, a church that is an example, um, not only back then— in the, those particular time when this letter was written, but it's still true today. And that is the church at Thessalonica. If you read chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, you will see the model church, the, uh, the example to all. Matter of fact, I'm kind of excited to get a chance not uh, too long from now to actually go and preach on 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, one of the things that I just noticed, and I'm just going to bring it out here to you, that Paul, when he writes to them, he says this, he's constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God, or excuse me, in the presence of our God and Father, but your work. They were united together. They were working together as one. They were being the church at Thessalonica. They were making an impact. They were making a difference. They were in it together. And when you begin to read chapter 1, there's so much to this that um, that'll just blow your mind, because it's a picture of a model church, but they were united. We are to be working together. We need each other desperately, and I'll just keep it at that. And again, I could say so much more about it, but if you are forsaking the assembly— you're sinning against God. And I really believe as a true Christian, you want to be part of the true church. You want to be the church, not just play church now. I've said this before, I don't want to get preachy here, but you're not looking to play church or going to get your card punched and say, hey, I did my time on Sunday. I did that. No, no. 
you need to be the church. And to be the church, you are one of the members of many, but yet you're one body. We cannot forget that and the importance of that. It's so important. And again, if you've been hurt or you feel like, you know what, you're, you're just, you're, you're really kind of at that point in place in your life where you're just kind of skittish, you don't want to go there because of what's happened in the past, just remember, if the body of Christ, the, the church today on the earth was perfect, as soon as you walk in, it became imperfect. I mean, that, that's just the truth. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. We're all a work in progress. But we're in this together. And again, what unites us is the Holy Spirit of God. Also in the church, too, as I mentioned, confrontation, discipline. Uh, We share in the fact that uh, if there is sin and things in our life, others can deal with it and help us. Um, Also, when I think of just this past week as we partook of the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, we did so as the body of Christ. And, and I just sitting here thinking about the the preacher who was leading us or the elder of the church. He he just made it clear, you know, this we're in this together. We're the body, and we're recognizing the body uh, is recognizing the head who is Jesus Christ Himself. And, and again, I could say so much more, but that would be another one. Let me give you the last one quickly here. And by the way, I, I didn't read these or come up with these from a book. I have been studying for many years the book, the Bible, and that's that's how I've come up with these seven, and maybe we could add more to it, but I think most of them f- fall into this category. But last, and not, not, you know, last but not least, the seventh trait or the evidence or the characteristic of a true Christian is um, you're going to endure or you're going to persevere into the end. You may have your difficult times. You may have your times where you find yourself um, struggling. There may be even times that you find yourself wandering away from the flock, but the good shepherd, the great shepherd, is going to go after you. He's going to bring you back into the flock because he never leaves you, and he's never going to forsake you. A, a true believer is going to persevere unto the end. This is not a, a club that we join. This is not some type of, you know, we're going to attain something right here on this earth. This is a journey, and this journey is eternal. And it begins when we are born from above. It begins when we become a child of God. It begins when our when we have been reconciled to God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. But we're on this journey, and we're on it together. The Bible tells us in places like Matthew chapter 24 and others that the one who perseveres to the end shall be saved. Revelation talks about those who persevere to the very end. We think about the promises that are given us in in the book of Philippians. He who began the good work will complete it to the very end. The book of Jude, verse 24, that he is the one who's keeping us, is going to make us stand before him someday. I mean, it is God who's at work within us. And when we truly have God at work within us, we are going to make it to the very end. And again, there are going to be difficult times. There are going to be times of our testing of our faith. And we are going to go through struggles. And just because we're Christians, we're not exempt from pain and sorrow and suffering. 
We're not exempt from challenges in our marriages and challenges in our families. We're not exempt from health issues, even though the prosperity gospel teachers who are false teachers would make us want to believe that, you know what, you should be healthy. And if you're not healthy, it's because you lack faith or maybe because you don't know Jesus. No, Christians get cancer and die. Christians get in bad car accidents and die or suffer. Christians have problems and challenges and difficulties. But we do know that our God is for us. And since he is for us, who can be against us? We know that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. We are protected. We belong to God. I could go on and on with the promises that God has given to us, but when we truly are true Christians, we are going to persevere to the very end. We're going to run that race to win the prize. We know what's ahead. And I could tell you personally, there have been some real, real dark days in my own life, darker than I want to even, you know, even talk about or even, you know, state that that's a reality, but it's true. Some dark times. And we all go through them. Again, every day is not like skipping down that yellow brick road, as I mentioned earlier, with Dorothy and Toad. It's just not. There's there's some people who perceive, there's some people who even teach that and preach that that's Christianity. No, it's not. The one who's the example who went before us was known as the man of sorrows. He's a man who suffered greatly. For what? For telling the truth? For doing what is right? God even says, for those of us who desire to do what is right and do what is right— We're going to suffer. We are going to be persecuted. We're going to be hated by people. I've often thought about that time and time again. Jesus, what did he do that was so wrong? Well, think about it. The Pharisees would say he's a blasphemer. He claimed to be the son of the living God. How dare him? But let's just think about that for just a moment. The words he said versus what he did. I mean, when you look at what he did overall, when you look at even his teaching and where he took people and he demonstrated that the issue was the heart for them to look inside and then to ultimately we'd have to turn to God because they're in great need. And God was the only one who could rescue them and save them from the peril that is ahead. I mean, I could go on and on with this. I mean, the truth of the matter is, why did they put Jesus to death? Because it was God's purpose and plan. And that was his purpose and plan to save man. There was no other way. What blows me away is, as I read in the Gospels, in one account, three times Pilate said, I find no guilt in this man. He's done nothing wrong. I find no guilt. And here's a man who's a sinner, who's lost and, you know, is not serving God, who knows about the Jews and what they believe about God and the things about But the truth of the matter is that this he didn't even want to deal with it. He wanted the Jews to deal with it on their own because it wasn't his issue. But he said emphatically three times, I find no guilt in this man. But again... It was God's divine, sovereign purpose and plan. So, folks, I I just close today with this podcast by saying the truth of the matter is I really believe these seven traits 
characteristics, evidences will be that of a true Christian. There'll be a definitive change in your life produced by God. There'll be a definitive love for God and for others. Um, You will bear fruit. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit within you. You will be a disciple, a pupil. You will desire to learn. You will hunger and thirst for the Word of God. You'll want to become like your teacher, Jesus. And then we see from the Word of God, you'll have a desire inside. And that desire will even go beyond just the desire. You will make disciples. You will share the gospel. You will tell people the truth about Jesus. You will go forward no matter what the cost may be, even if it's your own life because you can't help but tell others about Jesus Christ. You'll want to see people's lives changed. And then you're going to be a part of a local church. You realize, hey, listen, I'm not an island. I can't do this on my own. I need my brothers and sisters around me. I need people to encourage me. I need people to lift me up. I need people to confront me and to rebuke me and correct me when I'm wrong. I need to be, because I am one of the members of the body of Christ, many of us, but yet we're just one body. And the head, the one that we look to, the one who leads us and guides us, the one who's the shepherd, the one who is in control is Jesus himself. And last but not least, we're going to endure to the very end. We're not going to give up. The times may be difficult and tough. I was reminding myself that today as I was thinking about some things that I'm facing. His promises, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise. And his promise can't be based upon evidences that I see or things that I feel. It's based upon his word. God is not a liar. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us to the very end. To the very end. And at that point, we will cross into where he is, his throne, his kingdom, where we will celebrate, rejoice, worship. We will be in a place where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, disease, no more death, most importantly, no sin. But we'll be in the presence of the glory of our almighty God, of our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Great stuff, huh? Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. That's martyminto at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out us at Facebook uh, and Twitter. And also you can uh, check us out on um, Instagram. Love to hear from you. And I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Marty Minto Show. Oh.